This is the Brain Over Belly podcast, solving the puzzle of obesity with Dr. David Brown of Idaho BMI. Today we reconnect with Mona. It's been three and a half months since her bariatric surgery. She's lost more than 40 pounds and is feeling great. So why does she still see the old Mona when she looks in the mirror? Dr. Brown explains where self-image resides in our brains and what we all can do to retrain our brains to live the happiest of life stories. Here's your host, Rick Dunn. We are back. There's, when I say we, there's uh, three of us again today. We have Dr. Brown. Hello. Hey, Rick. How are you? I'm fantastic. Best day of my life. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Mona, it's so good to see you. Hey, Rick. How good are you doing? You. I'm doing great. Thank okay. You. I see a difference in your physical appearance. So as I sit here, and because uh-huh. I only see you, what, once every two other or three months. months? Yeah, once every other month. Every other month. Okay. Yep. Do you see a difference in yourself? I'm physically. still struggling with that. No, nope. but um, yeah, it's hard. I'm trying to see the difference as um, I have lost over forty pounds, and wow, that's a lot. And I keep reminding myself that's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, I guess celebrate. Yeah. The wins when you can, and stop looking at well, I've got so much farther to go. It's hard for me to imagine losing forty pounds and then looking in the mirror and not seeing a physical difference i i can completely see a physical difference dr brown why does that happen this is common right very common and i would ask you do other people see it yes and they make comments yes and compliment you yes and how does that feel that feels great (laughs) (laughs) so i try to hold on to that (laughs) but you don't see it in the mirror right but i'm trying yeah i'm a work in progress here yeah aren't we all (laughs) so why is that why do people I mean, obviously, she's looking at herself every single day. Is that it, or or is there something else behind all that? Have you ever jumped in the car to drive someplace, and you realize at some point after arriving, oh, my gosh, I don't remember driving? Yes. Okay. Okay. So your subconscious brain programs in there for driving kicked in and took care of driving for you, and you were thinking about something else. It's the same type of thing. It's estimated that... 95% of the mind is subconscious. And in that subconscious realm is most of where our identity is. In other words, the way we see ourselves, the way that we think about ourselves. And so what that indicates to me when someone loses weight or changes significantly, but they don't see it is, well, that stuff in the subconscious hasn't changed does and that it, make sense to you? Yes, yeah. it makes sense to me. And you can think, well, wait a minute, you're looking in the mirror, your eye, your vision works. Why are you not seeing what other people? And it's what, what is it you're wanting to see, or what, what do you expect to see when, when you look in the mirror every day, Mona? <laughs> <laughs> I expect to see a swimsuit model. <laughs> so wow. maybe that's why I'm disappointed. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, right? <laughs> right, right. I think I'm long past that. I think you're gorgeous. I think <laughs> it's you. amazing what you've done. So how long has it been since the bariatric surgery then? Um, it's been like three and a half months, I believe. Three and a half months. Mm-hmm. And kind of walk us through your journey so far. Well, let's see, three and a half months. Um, the first little bit I was on, I believe, 21 days on liquids only. Mm-hmm. And then I got to move on to some solid foods. 
And then I got to move on to real foods for the rest of my life. And that was exciting. And it's been um, a unique experience because everything I thought that I liked, I no longer like. (laughs) And so, like, my new thing is, like, celery with peanut butter. That's like my... That's what you crave. That's my thing. That's what you like. Mm -hmm. That's like my go-to snack. That is your go-to snack. Mm -hmm. So, and I know we've talked about this in the past as as far as your brain changes what you like or what you don't like, and that has actually happened for you then. Things that you were craving before, you no longer crave these things? Correct. Correct. And a lot of times, I'll also, if I think I'm hungry, I will, uh, you know, keep drinking my water, and I'm just thirsty. I'm not really hungry. Right. So I've noticed those differences. And when I say snack, that's usually a meal for me, and I don't eat again for probably four hours or five hours. Because so. you're listening to your body now mm-hmm. instead of just going, oh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. This is when I have exactly, my snack. Exactly, because I think before... I was trained to do that. You know, you've got to get up and have a breakfast, and then you've got to eat lunch between noon and one. Then you've got to have dinner, you know, six or seven. And that's now I'm just eat when I'm hungry, and right. I don't have a set schedule as to when I eat. Some days I may get breakfast, and some days I don't. So, just how depends. awesome is it to see like everything you've been talking about, Dr. Brown, is coming to fruition here i mean uh, these are all the things that you were saying as far as the cravings and the patterns that they're going to be going through is is that connected to the surgery itself or the brain which or or both both in other words just to review when you do the operation you're really stapling across tiny little branches of the vagus nerve which is the main pathway for messages between the brain and the intestinal tract. And for some reason, when you staple those tiny little branches, uh, it causes a reset in that nerve and those signals. And so overnight, people notice a, a change in their sense of smell, sense of taste, things like that. And the key is to know what to be doing every day to get to all six of those centers in the brain that really are involved with weight and metabolism and that type of thing. Coming back around to the uh, seeing what she sees in the mirror, what does Mona need to do to uh, to look in the mirror and feel the way that she wants to feel? Know that she's on the right track. What are the things that she needs to do? Well, previously we've talked about some of these things going back to childhood. And I think a big part of it is the way a person sees themselves, the way Mona sees herself. And of course, that goes back to childhood in the way you can call it, we were programmed or however you want to describe it. But a lot of those early experiences have big influence on our identity and the way we see ourselves, the way we feel about ourselves. And so that doesn't necessarily change quickly. So there are some exercises, some practices that we heavily encourage our patients to do in order to change that life story, that conversation that we all have in our head 24-7. And what are those exercises? Mm. What are they? So, That's a good question, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> we're, getting to the, we're getting to the skinny here, aren't we, Mona? Yes, I want to know too. I'm going to start taking notes. Are you writing this yeah. down? <laughs> so the two, I think the, the two biggest exercises, one is a combination of two things. Uh-huh. So I mentioned that conversation that we have in our heads. The first part of this is to recognize that that's actually happening. And 
in this conversation we all have, we talk about many things, including ourselves. And sometimes that conversation we have with ourselves, about ourselves, turns negative. And that is always destructive. And so the first step is to simply get into the habit of recognizing when that conversation in our head about ourselves turns negative. And imagine a red flag, mental red flag that goes up. Mm. Really important. So that's the first thing. It could be even if it's stress or doubt about uh, you know, where we are going with our lives or goals or whatever it is. Doubt, stress, or anything negative, we want that red flag to go up. So that's the first thing. The second thing involves creating and memorizing what I call a personal power statement. So we've all watched the Olympics. And you can imagine watching, say, a 20-year-old female ice skate or do gymnastics, and you wonder to yourself, how in the world is she performing with such grace and calm when one to two billion people are watching her? That's amazing. Yeah. Well, the answer is, in part, she's been trained to do these two things. To, one, recognize in her own mind uh, stress, anxiety, worry, and to replace or at least to recite to herself uh, a, a personal power statement. That's what I call it. And so this personal power statement is a, well, it's a statement. It's a summary of who you are what your potential is, what you want to become, and what you want your impact and influence to be on planet Earth. Could be something short, could be longer. But the idea is that when that red flag goes up in your mind, in other words, you're thinking or saying something negative about yourself, you stop yourself and you, instead of going down that pathway, you pull in this personal power statement and you simply recite it to yourself. Do you have a personal power statement? I do. Are you going to share it with us? <laughs> it's, that, it's personal, right? It is. And I, I encourage people to really think about this. You know, go deep and really think about who you are and who you want to become. Because this really is all about human potential. Right. So yes, you're I, not going to share it. I'll you? share it. Oh, you are? Okay. Wow. I don't... I'm uh, honored. I've shared it with <laughs> a very few people, but wow, maybe it matters. My personal power statement is, today is my day. Anything is possible for me. I look up, never down. Today is my day. I do what others are afraid to do. I welcome risk as opportunity. I face fear and am open to what the world can teach me. I reach forward today and embrace the future. I live today as if it is my last on the planet. I live today uh, to make my family and ancestors proud. My mission is to cheer and heal the broken today is my day wow that's quite a statement how long did it take you to come up with that i mean when did you come up with that many years ago years ago three four years ago okay and if i get up in the middle of the night or wake up in the morning that's the first thing that i plant in my brain i like that i do too so every time that red flag comes up that's the thought that you think of then. Right. And so the idea is that through repetition of these things, we can actually change the way we see ourselves and the way we perceive our purpose on the planet. And again, this is all about human potential and helping people to no longer limit themselves the way that we all do. 
So Mona, are you going to create a personal power statement? Yes, I am going to create one. I have one. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a power statement, but I have where I tell myself when a red flag comes up, stop. Yeah. You know, stop the negativity. That's not true. And I'll say, I am relaxed, strong, happy, and healthy. And I'll repeat that like five times to myself before I move on to do something else. So she's kind of doing it. I mean, maybe taking it to the next level is what we're we're looking for here. More detail, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's really cool. Tell us about the second trick then. There's there's the personal power statement, and then trick number two. <laughs> it's a trick. Uh, the second exercise is called resonance breathing. There are different names for it. That's what I call it, resonance breathing. And we've talked before about this timed break between bites. Before surgery, it's one minute. After surgery, it's two minutes. I recommend people practice this in that timed break between bites. And the idea is that you do two things at the same time. The first thing is to time or pace your breathing very precisely so that it takes five seconds to breathe in, five seconds to breathe out. That's a 10 second breath cycle. And in two minutes, you can get 12 of those breath cycles in. So that's the first thing you're doing. So you need some stopwatch or some means of keeping time. Second thing that you do is to focus your thoughts, your emotions on uh, appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, compassion, these types of things. Now, it sounds sort of hokey or new age-ish, but there's actually a lot of scientific research on this type of exercise. Um, What's happening, one of the things that's happening as we do this, and it's like anything else in life, it's something we practice and get better at, But as a person does this, they're actually bringing into synchrony several processes in the body that are normally involuntary. So these are processes like dilation of the pupils, heart rate variability, changes in blood pressure. Um, There are a lot of things going on that we never, ever think about. When we do this, we bring into alignment or as far as timing, several of these different processes. And this has a tremendously positive impact on the brain and the central nervous system and a lot of things. Yeah. So are you, Mona, I know before the surgery, you were already um, working on your eating and have you started working on the breathing? Yes, and um, he's absolutely right. You do have to practice in order to get better at it because it is not simple to do. And I will um, count (laughs) as I'm breathing yeah. And then uh, and then I'm trying to think about gratitude and appreciation as well. And I can't walk and chew gum, so I don't know how I think I can <laughs> do this. But I'm trying to – so it's more like I'll breathe, and then I'll have a, a moment of gratitude. And then practice breathing and moment of gratitude. I've got – I'm getting the timing down with the, you know, five in, five out. Yeah. But um, – So I hope to get better at it. But like the Dr. Brown says, you've got to practice to get better at it. And the best time to do it for me is my practicing is when I'm going to sleep. As I've talked about before, I I have a hard time um, going to sleep and staying asleep. So I will practice this breathing method. And next thing you know, it's morning and I'm getting up and life's great. That's interesting. So I guess it's like a relaxed thing, too. So has your sleep improved? Yes, Wow. You look better. You're 40 pounds lighter. Your sleep's improved. 
Yeah, things are going great. And we're only three months in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. This is my year. And this whole process, again, is about 18 months, right, from beginning to end. And then then it's just a maintenance thing at that point? Yeah. Well, you've pretty much trained your brain at that point, I would imagine. Yeah, and a bulk of that has happened really by months four, five, or six after surgery. Again, oh, okay. if a, as a person is really consistent at these things. So Dr. Brown, tell us how the breathing helps with what Mona is seeing in the mirror. Well, we know that th- these types of exercises, they are a, a very effective way to get into that subconscious realm. One of the influences of this exercise has been uh, researched, and that is cravings. So researchers in the last two or three years have looked at the effect of this resonance breathing on cravings in two groups of people. One is people who struggle with food and with weight. Uh, the other group of people are folks who struggle with alcohol. And so what they, these researchers did, they brought in these two groups of people and they exposed them to triggers, visual images, different things um, involving food and alcohol. And we've talked about these brain scans, these functional MRIs. Well, they expose these folks to these triggers, scan their brains, and uh, then interviewed these people. And as expected, uh, when people were exposed to these triggers, commercials, whatever it is, the brain scans showed that in that moment, that part of the brain that processes visual images uh, lit up. It was very active, and that makes a lot of sense. And subjectively, when these people were interviewed, they reported that when they were exposed to these triggers, they felt very intense uh, cravings. And we can all understand that. Well, then they taught these people this simple exercise, this resonance breathing, and they had them do it for five to ten minutes a day for two weeks. They brought all these people back and repeated everything. They exposed them to triggers. They did the brain scan. They interviewed them. And what they found is that after doing this exercise for two weeks, When exposed to these triggers, that part of the brain that processes visual images didn't light up, and subjectively, it was as if they didn't even recognize the triggers in their environment. Interesting. So instead of the battle of willpower, this is a matter of turning some switches in the brain on and others off. And so, again, these are things we'd never think about, but they can be very powerful, and it is one mechanism or one exercise we can adopt to help us in that wiring in our brain as far as how we think about ourselves. So in the past, Mona has talked about, uh, we talked about your sleeping. You had issues with your sleeping. This has already improved your sleeping. Yes. Heart rate was something else that you talked about was an issue. Because I have AFib, which is a regular, irregular heartbeat. And I have gone through medical procedures in which to correct that, where my before my procedures, I was uh, heart rate at rest, 110 a minute, where now I'm at 55. So I think so that's... So it's improved that area as well. Mm-hmm. So yep. all of these things that Dr. Brown keeps talking about <laughs> actually work. Yes, yes. Crazy. Uh, so, I've, so I'm starting to, you know, think about everything he says to me as gospel because before it was like yeah whatever we'll see but it's it i'm always shocked like oh, he was right <laughs> yeah 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 so dr brown the personal power statement the resonance breathing 
it sounds like these are things that allow people or help people take control of their life? When I was in medical school, it was the thinking, it was the dogma uh, that genes were everything. Your DNA dictated essentially your whole life. That if you had the genes for cancer, you were going to get cancer. Um, And that once a person's brain was essentially imprinted or formatted through adolescence, game over. It was, that was the end. Well, since then, over the last 20 years, a lot of great research and a few Nobel Prizes have been awarded for work showing that that's not true, that there's this new field called epigenetics, which is Greek for above the genes. In other words, there are so many things we can do to influence, to change our lives. Um, There's a group out of Stanford, and they've done some very impressive research, and they have shown that when a person focuses their thoughts and emotions on compassion or you, you watch something that brings on those types of feelings, someone triumphing or that type of thing, that it actually changes the genes that are activated and it deactivates other genes huh. in the moment. And, but what it all points to is this idea that these different things that we do from the food that we eat, our sleep, the, even the thoughts that we have, we can influence very tremendously who we are and, and what we are becoming all the way down to the level of the genes. Does that make sense to you, Mona? Yes. Yeah. And you feel like that's happening with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think um, my life before surgery was I just was passive, reactive, and did nothing. You know, so yeah, I was just stuck in a rut. So I think it's very important to change the story in your head, what you're telling yourself all the time. It's interesting that you, uh, doctor, I, I, I never really hear you discuss exercising a whole lot, but by changing the thought process through your brain, it just seems that people tend to go that direction. Like you just even talked about chasing your grandkids around. Yeah, and I have energy to do it. I think uh, what's happened to me is I want to keep moving. As I get stronger, I want to get out the door and go experience life, and that's moving. So that's, you know, a way to incorporate exercise into your life without calling it exercise. Yeah. You're just living. Yeah. You're going for a walk and you don't have to, it's not a chore for you. It's just something that you want to do mm-hmm. or maybe even work out itself. I don't know. Well, maybe I'll get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, before, you know, when anybody said to work out, I'd lay down until the feeling went away because I was obviously yeah. ill. You know, I didn't want to work out. So, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely moving in a new direction and I like it. So final thoughts, Dr. Brown. Well, again, I think last time I said everybody has a great story in them, and that is, that is what this is all about. Everybody has tremendous potential, infinite potential, and this is all about achieving that and becoming something that's wonderful and great, just like Mona is doing, and that's what this is all about. So w- just before we let you go, we don't, we don't want to let you out of here without telling everybody exactly what you're going through and what your day-to-day life is like, and then the overall picture for Mona, where you're going, what you want to accomplish. Give us some, some insight to that. Well, I, my overall life is great. I have a good life. I'm, uh, I've noticed I'm happier. I uh, have more energy. I'm excited to be 
here every day. And I think before I was just on cruise control and just trying to get through the day. And usually I just felt like I had to take a nap or I was tired all the time. But I don't feel that way anymore. I have tons of energy and I can chase after my grandbabies and and I'm loving life. What my future holds and what I'm trying to tell myself, as a matter of fact, I even wrote it down, is that I want to be brave and this is going to be my year. And I think our first podcast, we talked about brave and I'm going to make the changes to make this happen. I think that's important because people always want change but they're not willing to get off the couch and get out the door to make the changes. Well, this is my year, and I'm doing it. And I'm going to get out more, and I'm going to smile more. I'm going to do things. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to declutter my house if it kills me. I'm going to get off social media and away from negativity, and I'm going to go to bed early, and I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to do things that challenge me. I'm going to show more gratitude, but most of all, I'm going to be brave to get all these things done. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, Rick. That's awesome. That is so great.